a man who has no confidence around women, a formula which can completely change a person, a comedic take on Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, all this can only mean one thing. We're comparing The Nutty Professor on this episode of Retro vs. Remake. I'm Reggie Parker. And I'm Dan Bulick. Welcome to another episode of Retro vs. Remake. This is the series where we compare movies and their remakes. Join us as we answer the question, should this remake exist? Today's films or The Nutty Professor? Getting right into it, Nutty Professor was originally made in 1963, starring Jerry Lewis, Stella Stevens, who's actually an alumnus on the show. She was Mrs. Rogo in the original Poseidon Adventure. We have Del Moore, Kathleen Freeman, Howard Morris, and Elvira Allman. Directed by Jerry Lewis. Screenplay by Jerry Lewis and Jerry Richmond. And music by Walter Schaefer. The Nutty Professor, 1996. Starring Eddie Murphy, Jada Pinkett Smith, James Corbin, Larry Miller, Dave Chappelle, and Jason Ailes. Directed by Tom Shattuck. Screenplay by... David Sheffield, Barry W. Bluestein, Tom Shattuck, and Stephen Odekirk. Music by David Newman. All right, Reggie, what is your first experience with either film? First experience with the original is for this podcast. Never took the time out to go see The Nutty Professor from 1963, so there's that. Well, 96, 96, Nutty Professor, I was about eight at the time, so... Like many eight-year-olds, which actually, in retrospect, maybe didn't make a lot of sense. Um, I have seen the film. Honestly, I remember it more kind of in pop culture than actually watching the film. Like, uh, there were music videos and stuff associated with not just that one, but like The Nutty Professor 2 specifically. Some of the jokes that are in the film were kind of common jokes that people threw out in conversation. Uh, The Hercules line jumps out at me as one. Um, but yeah, I, I have little memory of that film outside of this context as well. Well, like you, I had never seen the original film until doing it for this podcast. I was sort of familiar with Jerry Lewis's portrayal just because, you know, The Simpsons, yep. Professor Frank, that portrayal is pretty much based on uh, Professor Kelp. <clears throat> and he even does have sometimes a transformation into uh, the buddy love character in The Simpsons. So I was familiar with the portrayal, but not really the whole like plot and like what actually happens in the original film. And as for the 1996 film, now I'm a little older than you, Reggie, so I had this on VHS and I watched it a lot. <laughs> this was uh, kind of the revival of like Eddie's career because I know you know he had like a bunch of hits in the 80s, not so much in the 90s, <laughs> and then uh, Nutty Professor came out and. Yeah, I watched this movie a lot on VHS. Bought it at the Wiz when nice. we still had nobody uh, beats those the stores. Wiz. That's right, but I'd never seen the sequel, so uh, <laughs> I guess I didn't like it that much. <laughs> I was like, I don't need to know what happens next. Yeah, it, so. it, was, it was funny because I was talking to my wife about it, and um, she was like, "Yeah, it's the one with uh, Jan Jackson." I'm like, I'm pretty sure not <laughs> this one, but she was in the same camp. She's like, I've seen it so many times, and I'm like, you saw the Nutty Professor too. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've already started the divorce papers. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, so let's get into it. Films are very similar when it comes to the plot. There's some major differences, but we'll get into that as we get into our discussion. So let's get into this synopsis. A professor at a university is brilliant, but when it comes to social standings, he is seen as a loser. People make fun of him all the time and walk all over him. He is also helplessly in love with Miss Purdy. He lacks any confidence to be with this woman, so he makes a formula to change himself and essentially get the girl. The formula is a success, and he takes on a new persona of buddy love. He has confidence, people like him, and most importantly, Miss Purdy finds him attractive. The formula... The formula isn't perfect, though, and he often finds himself turning back into the professor. Buddy Love goes out with Miss Purdy several times, often charming her and turning her off at the same time. Eventually, the professor decides he no longer needs Buddy Love and just decides to be himself. It pays off as Miss Purdy is still attracted to him, and the two, and the two presumably live happily ever after. The end. Well, until you see the Nutty Professor 2, I guess. But uh, when this movie was ending, uh, that's kind of where you thought the remake was going. Anyways, so very similar plots. There are some major differences, but instead of focusing on those differences, I think we could focus on the characters, and that'll sort of lead us to these differences. So when we're talking about the Nutty Professor, I think our first character has to be the Professor. In the original film, we have Jerry Lewis portraying Professor Julius F. Kelp, also Buddy Love. And then Eddie Murphy is Professor... Ah, Eddie Murphy is portraying Professor Sherman Klump, slash Buddy Love. And Eddie Murphy plays several people in the movie, but I'm sure we'll get to that a little bit later. Okay, our professors. Should we start with Jerry Lee Lewis? Or, I knew I was going to say that. Jerry Lewis, not Jerry Lee Lewis, not the singer. Jerry Lewis, <laughs> the Rat Packer. Should we start with Jerry? Yeah, let's start with uh, Jerry's portrayal. Um, let's see, both films play with sort of the physical aspect of their uh, professor in different ways, but what we're supposed to get from Jerry is, uh, you know, he's got the big sort of, uh, not quite Coke bottle, but, you know, close enough glasses He's got this uh, ridiculous overbite, um, and uh, like I already did it, so I'm gonna do it again. The way he talks is a lot like uh, <laughs> the, like you mentioned, Professor uh, was it Frank from uh, yeah, yep. from The Simpsons. So like like you mentioned, I was immediately aware of what this character is. He's a, a nerdy guy that talks a lot like this, and uh, he's very accident prone, as we learned very early in the film. That opening sequence reminds me a lot of the original The Fly, with just random doodads and <laughs> chemicals and stuff like that. They're just different colors. But, uh, you know, he blows up a significant portion of the, the college and presumably his class, but uh, we don't really worry about that, do we? <laughs> no. It's pretty impressive because he's able to blow up, like, the whole room. It's a huge explosion all over campus, chaos everywhere, you know, the secretary like finds him and it's to comedic effect he's like underneath the door like he's been like blown through the ground he's just like help me <laughs> so it's it's pretty comedic um it's this huge thing that's happened all and uh it's like the next day it's like room's fine there's no sign of explosion at all students are fine so uh it's quite the introduction to this scientific clumsy fellow yeah and um 
you know, something that I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit as well, but like tonally this film kind of sets itself up right here to not be ultra realistic. Like uh, mm-hmm. a lot of things yeah. that, you know, in other films, oh, this guy's dead. <laughs> and it's, he's just <laughs> under the door. There's another scene later where like he's trying to lift something heavy and his arms are <laughs> stretched out kind of Space Jam style. Um, <laughs> I was like, okay, that's, that's what we're dealing with here. But um, the most important sort of characteristic for him here is just is sort of the accident prone nature and that he's physically kind of weak. That's mostly what we're supposed to take away from. He's just socially awkward and physically weak. He also has a lot of strange tics like uh, the the running gag with his watch. I thought yeah. it was just... playing the Marines theme or something. It it didn't really <laughs> matter what song was playing there, but they brought enough attention to it where you're like, yeah, that was a thing that happened in that movie. Okay. Yeah. You know, again, I, I do actually kind of like that unassuming comedy of this character where, like, a lot of the jokes are coming from the fact that, like, yeah, dude, you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you're you're getting sort of dressed down by the, uh, uh, I don't know, he's not quite the dean, but sort of, right? Like, uh, We can just call him the dean because he's yeah. kind of, he's the dean in the remake, and so it's like, when I went into this, I'm like, that guy's like a dean so and he's like answering to him so he's not like a another just another professor he's somebody like above him so right i'm just we can let's just call him the dean just for argument's sake yeah call call him the dean and you know there's a couple funny things about like whether he's gonna sit or not you know and stuff like that and uh Mm -hmm. that's where we first get this watch gag and it's just like it's the exact wrong time (laughs) Mm -hmm. to be acting the way that he is and we also learn in that sort of interaction with the dean that Jerry Lewis is Dr. Kelp here. This isn't the first time that he's done this. This is the second time in two years that this has happened. And the last time it happened, maybe the other guy didn't. Yeah, you know, basically, without getting too deep into the joke, this has happened before, and he's kind of like, in a way, on his last rope. He's got to kind of shape up. Not that that really matters when you watch the film, but uh, they try to make that apparent. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, his portrayal is pretty much what you'd expect. You know, kind of this 60s nerd. He just does everything wrong, and nobody really likes him. And it's if you've seen The Simpsons, Professor Frank, it's, it's exactly that. It's just this really dorky guy, but you know he's smart. You know, the comedy, like you said, can get pretty cartoony. Him being under the door, his arms stretching out when he's trying to work out. So that stuff was okay what i found the funniest though just getting back to when he's first in the dean's office is those kind of moments of awkward silence when like Mm -hmm. nothing is really happening but he's just so awkward around people that like even when no dialogue is happening it's just it's just funny and i thought those were his strongest moments in the movie when it came to comedy not necessarily like him yucking it up as this dorky brilliant guy but just how socially awkward he can be. And he doesn't even have to say a word. And it's just so awkward. Yeah, I found that th- those are the strongest moments. Like, the things that are over-the-top cartoony, which I think were meant to be played to laughs, are less funny given the passage of time that we've mm, had. Yeah. Versus, like, you're right. It's it's kind of like uh, going back to that Professor Frink character, which is, it is a testament. It, like, mm-hmm. took that sort of joke structure and, like, stretched it out over this entire series so um there's a lot to mine here you know when someone else is talking like it reminded me of frank where it's like yeah yes yes and like not he's not saying anything but like you mentioned it is so awkward and i i do find that um there's a lot of that that makes 
this particular character funny to me in a way that I was actually surprised I found some of the humor still kind of worked in the film, mm -hmm. even given like no real reference point for me culturally uh, at this point. Yeah, like um, I had mentioned that scene when he first goes in the dean's office, there's this moment where he's kind of bullied by a student who looks older than him. <laughs> we'll get, I guess we'll get to the 40-year-old students in his class later, but yeah. uh, he's pretty much jammed into a closet. And then um, this is sort of his first real interaction with Miss Purdy and just him trying to get out of yeah. that closet. Just just the awkwardness of like, well, maybe if I if I move over here and yeah. just... It, that works for me. I like I like that stuff, and that that stuff really pl I think it plays still really well today, Absolutely. as opposed to like like you said those cartoony moments were just like eh, all right. <laughs> well, even even that scene there because this is actually one of the stronger jokes in the film. Um, uh, he's like kind of laid out in this next all the the <laughs> jars and vials and stuff like that, and he's just like ah class dismissed because <laughs> you know what else are you going to do? You can't get out. It, it's it's it is funny still. Should we? hold off on buddy love and Let, talk about eddie murphy's professor clump yeah i think introducing the the buddies as a one-to-one -one would right. make sense so yeah. all right so let's get into professor sherman clump portrayed by eddie murphy and he's also um a bit dorky maybe somewhat socially awkward but his thing <laughs> is that he is fat <laughs> that is his big shtick he's just big guy Loves eating candy, and uh, I don't know, he's just just a fat guy. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, yeah, uh, that is the character trait. I mean, he's a he's a pretty he's a sort of I think the worst affable. He's a, he's a nice you know kind of jovial guy. I think you know playing into a bit of a fat stereotype there. He's he's very motivated. Like uh, when we first get introduced to the character, he's watching like a Richard Simmons esque parody, uh, Luke Perkins. <laughs> uh, who may uh, be played by the exact same character that we're talking about. <laughs> and, you know, like, he's very much aware of his size, and it bothers him. And we, you know, we learn different aspects of him as we go along. But you're right, like, the movie, uh, in the original, this guy's a big nerd and weak. And this one, the guy is a nerd, but that's kind of secondary, weirdly enough, mm -hmm. to the fact that he's just fat. Right. <laughs> like, that's, that's, uh... <laughs> That's it. Like the like you mentioned, the hidden, the hidden shelf of candy and stuff like that. The pro, not the protein, but the uh, weight loss shakes. This is you hammer that home several times right. that he is larger than he wants to be. Yeah, he's a big guy. He knows he's a big guy. Other people know he's a big guy. This, it's something that's definitely like hanging over him. But he's not necessarily. He hasn't taken really any steps to do anything about it. He eventually does take some steps before he. Um, becomes comes up with that formula. Sure. But, um, yeah, so this is something kind of in his head that not quite dealing with yet. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting about it is that um, although he has this sort of, uh, this weakness, Dr. Klump, uh, compared to Dr. Kelp, <laughs> <laughs> um, he actually, like, socially is enough in the game, though. Like, he still does things that, Dr. Kelp could never do. Like, he couldn't actually ask someone out as Dr. Kelp. Mm. Dr. Klump can, you know. It's just that he's, he's going to hit certain roadblocks as it goes along. So I thought that was an interesting approach. Marginally, I don't think it's that interesting. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, it, it's good to see this guy have motivation and, and think that he can solve his problems without the formula versus the original where 
that was never even well i guess he went to the gym yeah yeah so i guess he yeah <laughs> let's uh let's shelf that but uh i'll say not necessarily solving the problems but like this character can talk to the love interest without extra assistance we'll put it that way that's the yeah. key takeaway yeah he's able to ask her out and actually get a yes from her even though he kind of awkwardly stalks her <laughs> to get her address through the school records um he's also not uh you know sort of hated by the students the right. students generally seem to like him any interactions we see as uh, pretty much one of mutual respect like they respect him he respects them students never really insult him they might laugh if he like does something stupid like he's erasing uh what he wrote because of the size of his belly so they'll kind of laugh at that but they're not like ripping on him the whole time you know when right. one student sees him out on the date and she's like all right professor you know he's, he's not like ripping on her or ripping on him so they very much respect him and yeah he is able to kind of just fit in society despite this despite his size which is supposed to be like just ginormous but it, he's really not that big especially no. by today's standards so he is m much more well adjusted than professor kelp is absolutely yeah to the point uh i think talking about the students actually is interesting here because basically in the original like students are like you could not imagine kelp in a social setting like uh mm -hmm. he would never be at the pit as it were the purple pit um <laughs> the purple pit <laughs> It, that's kind of a running gag amongst some of the students and to your point who are actually bullies um, to the point where like literally a student I forget his name is like Wazinski or Wachowski something like that but uh, just literally in the middle of class just throws him into uh, <laughs> that closet you, like you mentioned you, you will not see this for uh, Professor Klump in fact even some students uh, like you mentioned the guy that sees him out and also some of the students work with him you know he's got like mm -hmm. this assistant um, yeah. character who I, I pegged as a student, maybe maybe he wasn't, but that was how I interpreted that character. Right. Though they both have their issues, I don't think they're necessarily coming from the same place. And honestly, Kelp, to me, feels like his thing is more reactionary to the fact that he was bullied versus Clump, who really, like, there's not anyone trying to tell him to change. He just wants to change himself. So, mm -hmm. um... I think there's, again, minor details here, minor distinctions, but, you know, when the characters are so closely sort of resembling each other, um, right. it's important to note these small changes. Yeah, definitely. I want to touch on something uh, you had sort of mentioned before, and that's how they kind of tried to improve themselves without going to the formula. Mm -hmm. So you'd mentioned that Professor Kelp, um, in an effort to sort of stand up to these bullies, First, I guess he sees an ad in a magazine about like going to the gym, become from like a small person to this huge person. So it's like he never had that idea until he read it in a magazine. Sure. Yeah. So he goes to the gym, and like you said, there's a lot of comedic things happens. Like he lifts yeah. weights, and that's when his arms like stretch like a cartoon character. And they double down on that joke by, by actually showing him in bed later with his arms like scratching his toes while he's sleeping at night. So. Um, not much success there, but it is nice to see that he did make an effort mm -hmm. in order to improve himself and, I guess, get the confidence to get the girl. But even though that ultimately goes nowhere, I'd say Professor Klump has a little more success yeah. in his endeavors because um, he just gets inspired to exercise and 
that's pretty much it. He just he gets inspired to exercise as well. And uh, at first, like it's this montage to oh, I'm so excited, you know, very cliche. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, he's struggling through everything. He can't do the trampoline. He can't do the steps. He can't do the punching bag or anything. And you see him struggle. But then by the end of the montage, he's able to do everything that uh everybody else is working on so it, it almost seems like well there's the movie right there <laughs> he had this yeah. struggle yeah. he's able to overcome it so why are we even having a film here so he has so much success you're almost just like do we even need the formula at this point yeah well we do because uh you know yeah i mean there's no parallel so it's fine to talk about this um the uh the date as the uh, Professor Clump, not his buddy Love. Like, again, there is no equivalent to this in the original film, so I think we're fine to talk about it. Um, Clump is going his date, and it's actually going well. You know, Montel Jordan's there. He's saying yeah. this is how we Montel. do it. Montel. <laughs> this is a, by the way, this is a great '90s date. Uh, <laughs> yeah, seriously, bringing your date to see Montel in the late '90s. It's, it's pretty good, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. Instead of the purple pit, it's the scream. Um, <laughs> whatever uh but uh you know when it's montel's off of course you're gonna have a def jam style <laughs> comedian <laughs> played by uh dave Chappelle, reggie warrington um so wait you're telling me there's a stand-up named reggie in this movie Is what? That what you're saying reggie <laughs> exactly <laughs> wouldn't you know just like all reggie stands guys an asshole <laughs> <laughs> that scene is probably out of everything from the uh the film that I actually like recall, um, mm -hmm. one because you know it is one of the funnier scenes in the film, um, but also it's just so damn mean. <laughs> <laughs> you feel so bad for the guy because like you know you just had this great montage like you mentioned. He's running up the stairs like Rocky. He's like, you know, just because he's bigger doesn't mean he can't do everything else that everyone else does. And he gets there, mm -hmm. and this guy's just being just brutally awful to him and you know you can understand why clump has this this um this reservation to be himself because like he's just getting the guy's doing fat jokes for like five minutes straight in the set um mm -hmm. he's embarrassing from the date you know everyone's got their hands their heads down it's just like it's rough but uh you know women be shopping though <laughs> <laughs> you cannot stop a woman from shopping i'm sure we'll talk more about dave Chappelle and his amazing performance oh, later yes. but yes. yeah i want to touch upon that yeah that's that's a really powerful scene i think in it this is. comedy because it really does make you feel terrible for sherman it's just like damn he, he really did try to kind of turn his life around and you know he built up the confidence to ask her out and then just to be humiliated like that in front of all these people and it's just like it's not enough that somebody's just like humiliating you but like to have a whole room full of people just like laughing at your expense it yeah. could be pretty brutal and then uh you know you got the somber music playing got the slow zoom and eddie murphy's face and you just you really feel for him at that moment yeah and uh you know this purdy tries to you know don't 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 think about that sherman don't worry about that you're still brilliant but you know it's how can that not affect you just right being right. humiliated like that so it's great that the remake has that because there's not really a moment like that per se in the original where he's like sort of at the lowest point where he's like, right. that's it. I need to do something drastic in order to uh, overcome this. <laughs> just me because <laughs> I'm just <laughs> not good enough right now. Tonally, because it is a, a tone shift for the film completely to get into this sort of somber moment. 
I, I really, really can't think of any moment in the original where it was like sad. You know, there was some some hurdles to overcome and stuff. But like, yeah, guys getting made fun of. Like you said, the the music notes come on. They zoom in on his face. It's raining afterwards. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like they really lean into this this low moment, and um, I think that that scene is necessary for this film because of how brilliant Professor Clump is. There's no real reason for for Sherman to take this potion, right. you know, especially after that montage. But uh, now there is. I mean, like, I mean, you just got humiliated. Like, you know, no matter what you do, nothing's going to change. So, you know, let's take the experimental drugs <laughs> that we were giving the hamsters, uh, which. I guess we didn't really talk about that, but in the remake, instead of blowing up the uh, the building, there's like a hamster escape with CGI abound. It's pretty funny, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's also like gratuitous. <laughs> yeah, but you know, going back to it though, the we have this motivation that I think serves this film very well. Yeah, I'm just uh, on top of that too. So he doesn't just get humiliated; he also goes home. He does have a couple nightmares too, mm. which uh, which add a little bit of levity to that pretty depressing kind of moment he has. So he has this kind of fantasy where he's just like in the hospital. He just keeps getting fatter, and he just <laughs> grows up to like this King Kong, or is it like the King Kong with titties? <laughs> Reggie said in the movie. <laughs> oh man, it's uh, it's pretty ridiculous and over the top. And then it ends with this <laughs> nuclear type of explosion because he farts and somebody yeah, lights a match. Yeah, so. like a cigarette. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty comedic, you know. And I think I, I appreciate that kind of uh, humor there. It was a nice balance because you just had this really low moment for Sherman mm. just to bring just some levity, uh, sure. like you know. You know, we could have a little fun with this. You know, we, we brought in the serious moment here, but let's, let's lighten it up a little bit because at the end of the day, this is a comedy. I appreciated that. Absolutely. Should we talk about the Buddy Love, Love character or, you know, there's a space in here for both films to kind of talk about their background and how they kind of got to this place. But I don't know if this is necessarily the time to discuss that. You could, you know. if you want. Boy, like, what do you mean? In the sense that in... The original film, we have this sort of baby kelp. It's a ridiculous character, by the way. Just uh, Jerry Lewis, basically on his knees in a... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. In the, uh, I, I don't even know what you call it, in a crib, let's just put it this way. And you see that uh, where he comes from, the reason that Dr. Kelp is like this, is his dad's a pushover. His, his mother was a very strong woman who basically like ran the household. His father was weak and was just like a complete pushover you know a yes dear type of guy you know mm -hmm. she hits him <laughs> he doesn't hit back very strange you know sort of intro but like okay i get it he's a weakling because his dad's a weakling and for him that was the realization that like okay i've gone to the gym for six weeks or something like that and his doctor or something saying you know it doesn't take for everybody some people can lift and they're not going to get bigger and he's like ah gen genetics okay <laughs> So, you know, read a book on genetics, that's, you know, you're, you're making formulas for it. The way they do that similar thing in the remake is actually one of the stronger points in the remake, which is this this really, like, technical and elaborate setup of having Eddie Murphy play multiple characters. Um, something that we'll go into, but, you know, the important thing here is that you see his family dynamic as well. He's very family-oriented, but, like, they meet around the dinner table, and they, they eat, and they eat a lot. <laughs> and uh, the cool thing about his family is they're not worried about their appearance. They're like, nah, man, 
You know, some people are small, some people are big. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that it, it was good to note that that background is part of some of their motivation as well, of seeing how they see themselves based off of their own family interaction. Yeah, I'd say it has maybe more of an impact in the original film, just mm. because there is no scene in that original film where he's like kind of humiliated just because of <clears throat> who he is. So, And uh, in the remake, it's just, it's just so fun <laughs> the scene with the family and there's not really i mean there's one tender moment when he's outside with his mom like after dinner when she's like you know just just be yourself sherman you know don't worry about what other people are thinking all the time so there's a little bit of a tender moment there mm-hmm. um but i don't really see that as the driving force so much as him getting humiliated in the remake yeah yeah i i would 100 percent agree with that that the humiliation is a motivation First original being like his dad, I guess, is a bit of motivation. Is actually just good background, honestly. Yeah. Um, but you know, getting stuffed in cabinets and stuff like that seems to be a motivation. And, and um, for him, especially, like the love interest is more of a motivation because there, there's just no way for Doctor Kelp to do that himself. Mm-hmm. First, Clump could, but you know, he's kind of beaten down even after he put himself out there. It's true. Is it time for buddy love? I think it's time for buddy love. All right. So the characters both turned to buddy love. They kept that name the same. I guess we'll start with the original again. Just um, and I'm gonna start like kind of at the transformation because sure. it is very misleading. <laughs> what happens? It said in the description this is very much inspired by Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, and I think they took a lot of inspiration in that during the transformation scene because. Jerry goes through some shit. Man. Yeah. <laughs> like he gets like hairy arms. His face changes many different colors that are not human. <laughs> uh, so he very much looks like a monster. And I think they were playing with expectations because people were familiar with the Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde thing. So I think they wanted you to think, oh, he's going to be hideous. He's going to look like a monster. And then it just you know pays off. I guess when he comes out looking sort of suave like yeah. a member of the rat pack later yeah what what i found interesting about it was like you mentioned more of just the marketing i guess for the film at the time you know obviously there's no internet there's like what three tv channels maybe <laughs> at this point <laughs> so like this reveal is important and even in the marketing they say hey if you see the film don't tell people what happens because mm-hmm. like you know that's the entire hook so don't <laughs> ruin it for us <laughs> But yeah, like they play with expectations so much because you see him, like you mentioned, he's hairy and purple and blue and... I think he gets fangs at one point too. I think so. The whole thing is crazy. And I kind of love the the shot of, uh, we haven't revealed him yet, but like he's going through town and everyone's like, oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and like they really are playing with this idea of like a monster. Like what are these people seeing Mm -hmm. as he walks by? And (laughs) for him to just be like, you know, Jerry Lewis in like a cool suit with a cigarette, you know, slick back hair. It's fun, fun little misdirection there. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that um, kind of first person shot where he's just walking through town and then he walks into the club and everybody immediately stops what they're doing just to look at him. And you're like, oh, it really it really does uh, capture your imaginations to like what really happened there, especially if you haven't seen that before. So that's it's a really fun thing that they, they do there. Really appreciate that. And they don't really do anything like that so much in the remake. So this takes place in the 90s, the late 90s, when uh, we're kind of messing with the CG <laughs> and everything. Boy, and uh, that comes in a full swing. Not so much during the first transformation, but uh, we definitely see it later. 
and uh, we just see the reduction of his size, really. Mm. And then Eddie Murphy just has <laughs> this I feel good montage <laughs> where he just got to try on spandex, all spandex. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm wondering whose idea that was. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if Eddie Murphy gets a screenplay, screenplay credit in this one, but it feels very, uh, very performative. Let's just put it this way. But it's it's fun. You know, it's a fun kind of... Um, it's a completely different energy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in yeah. terms of the reaction. Like, Buddy Love in the original is, like, basically fully encompassed. Like, that character is more or less a standalone character. Yes, he does come from Dr. Kelp, but, like, he's just operating like his own entity. Like, he has no real reaction to now being smooth, whereas, like, mm-hmm. in uh, for Sherman Clump, like, no, this is huge. Like, his face is different. You can see his cheekbones. Like, you mentioned the spandex thing. Uh <laughs> There is some clumpness, I guess, to this buddy love, but it's just like, I don't know, like, uh, in some ways it's less apparent that, it's less apparent that, like, Sherman's not involved in this, like, you know, it feels like, is he leaning into this? Like, how much of this character is him, how much of this is buddy love? And that's something they have to kind of grapple with throughout the film. Mm-hmm. imagine if you change everything about yourself what would you do you know it feels a lot like that versus just fully being that that person because in the original it was mostly just like he didn't have any confidence he didn't really know how to talk and then all of a sudden he's this smooth smooth talking let me tell you how to make me a proper drink kind of guy and i'm gonna go to the piano like i'm dean martin over here and yeah. you know he's just doing that stuff and the first thing sherman clump does is like he kind of just like leans into like well this is now i'm gonna wear the spandex now i'm gonna eat whatever i want mm-hmm. now i'm gonna just yell i'm thin <laughs> like like an animal <laughs> on the top of towers so i mean they definitely seem to like really <laughs> just love that they're kind of the opposite <laughs> mm-hmm. that they use of what they used to be and they're leaning into that very heavily professor kelp though in the original i guess he goes right to that club and he's able to find his love interest right away, as opposed to Buddy Love in the remake, where it's not necessarily about her right away. It's more like, I'm just as a celebration of myself right now, yeah. and we'll meet eventually, but right now I'm just going to enjoy the fact that I'm this thin and I can do whatever I want. Yeah, versus Buddy Love in the original is pretty singularly minded here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he'll stop for an Alaskan polar bear heater and he'll... <laughs> <laughs> he'll make uh he'll make fun of you and you know knock over your drink and beat up some random guy <laughs> why sure <laughs> yeah and then just take a table of three tells me like hey why don't you kids go uh do something else because me and the lady got some business to do and he'll just like you know he'll sing uh that that old black magic or whatever <laughs> another kick in the head or whatever the <laughs> might as well right <laughs> I, I mean seriously i like how kind of like like i said we get that first person montage i like how kind of like cool he is that like people actually i mean he's not he is still a dick like uh we'll see is uh very consistent with the uh buddy love characters he's pretty cool i mean like this guy like he lights up a room he'll he'll play a song you know he'll put the girl in his arms like hey we're out of here and uh you're driving (laughs) (laughs) and uh consent uh is something that this buddy love needs to work on but other than that (laughs) He's a pretty cool character, but he's, like, obnoxiously self-obsessed. Eddie Murphy's buddy love 
does kind of the same thing by the time he does get to the date, sort of. But, like, I don't know. I didn't get that same initial, like, this guy's so cool vibe. Like you mentioned, mm-hmm. it was more about, like, just being free to do every once because he got skinny all of a sudden. And there was also this, this kind of uh, strange sort of back and forth where it, this is not in the original at all, where, like, Buddy Love is interacting with the love interest about uh, Sherman, and Sherman's talking to her about Buddy Love. And it's a different dynamic. I think it works for the film, but, like, again, it, it makes you question, like, how much of this is Buddy Love? How much of this is Sherman? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just remember I'd never felt like that while watching the original. Hmm. Well, okay, so the original, it's it's mostly about, like, this dorky guy becoming cool, while the remake is about pretty much a fat guy just becoming thin. I feel like, you know, <laughs> a 60s movie, it's... Portraying cool is always difficult in any movie, especially an old 60s movie, so I feel like... In Spider-Man 3. <laughs> in Spider-Man 3, thank you. Uh, just, like, portraying, like, well, this is one cool guy. Um, that's a that's a hard task to pull off, especially uh, in the 60s movie, because it's not... I didn't really think he was that cool. Like, sure, he's he could talk a little bit smoother. Still very much a jerk. I didn't think, like, he looked good. I thought that suit was ridiculous. <laughs> it was like some sky blue affair. I don't know what yeah. was going on yeah. there. So that's why I'm like, maybe people are just looking at him because they're like, who, who fucking wear that? that that's, that's a weird-looking suit, dude. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's harder to really portray cool and just to have that, you know, kind of work uh, today. But it's easy for like to go. Okay, this guy's a fat guy, and now he's thin. That, that, yeah. That's it's simple, and it, it, you can't really deny that we weren't able to pull that off because here he is fat, and here he is thin. So I feel like it was just maybe the overall, I guess, the transformation of Professor Kelp versus Professor Clump. I think it was just. I think it works a little bit better in the mm-hmm. remake, like for me, just because it's it's just easier to portray. Um, those contrasts as opposed to like well, this guy's a dork and now he's cool it it, it felt a little rough yeah in the original film for me just because it, does, it doesn't necessarily translate as well today yeah i think i think that's definitely a factor and i think that uh also that the buddy love in the original just early on really leans into being a jerk i mean yeah he's rude to the bartender he's rude to the waitress he's rude to random passers-bys he's rude to the love interest <laughs> he says one kind of nice thing then he's a dick to her again and then you know she drives him out in the middle of the woods uh you know to make out point he's like hey you, you're gonna lay one on me and she's like i don't think so i don't know he's like ah yeah yeah dummy <laughs> you know <laughs> he just wiped the lipstick off and let's get to it let's face. <laughs> go win <laughs> which i I'm, guess is funny i mean i I was just like, wow, that's really a dick. Like, I was just so taken aback by just how much of a dick he was. Like, right. I didn't really find the humor that I guess they were going for. Right. I found that the more humorous moments with uh, with Buddy were interacting with different people. I just, uh, uh, especially by today's standards, his behavior towards a love interest is pretty much just gross. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't work today. You yeah, can't it, treat a woman like that, even no matter how cool you're trying to act, man. It's like, uh, yeah. I don't know. Not comfortable. I mean, and I mean, even the, the movie itself basically portrays it like you couldn't treat a woman like that then either. Like <laughs> <laughs> he's taking it a little too far. Um, there's a scene that I, I'll love to talk about later, but like his interaction with the, the dean is the just, dean. That one that was a little funnier. <laughs> that, that's fun, but we'll we'll bring that up as we talk about that character in the remake. You know, with Buddy, kind of well, one he's 
he kind of like sets up his own date with the love interest from the college, which is a little bit different. Like he's in there messing around with some of the chemicals or potions, whatever you want to call it. He's like, who are you? Oh, I'm uh, friends with Sherman, buddy. Okay, I'm buddy love. (laughs) (laughs) I found that like when he went to the screen with her and it was almost like this do over Mm -hmm. scene with uh, Reggie Warrington, even though he's he's a dick, same way he's late and he's brash, like because Reggie Warrington was such a villain (laughs) Mm -hmm. a few scenes earlier, like it hasn't really sunk into me how much of a jerk he is because like this felt like proper retribution you know mm-hmm. uh reggie warrington was a cruel guy so like taking his energy towards him felt like okay versus like putting it towards the love interest um in the original film so i thought that, that was cool enough for the intro to uh to buddy love like i felt like he started off as a more empathetic and um you know caring character that just devolved into something you know worse as time went on in the original yeah, definitely. Jerk the whole time <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, Buddy's sort of beginnings, like he's very sort of useful to sort of Sherman's goals. Like where Sherman was unable to really defend himself against Reggie. Well, Buddy Love's not the same guy. You're not going to do that to Buddy. Buddy's going to come at you. He's, so when Buddy Love comes back at Reggie and he hits him hard, <laughs> like literally too, yeah. um, you're you're just cheering for him because yeah. you hated what you saw happen to Sherman. And just to see it, like, turned around and just getting, like, full out, like, just revenge, retribution, whatever, just for, and you feel like he's doing it for Sherman. So, Buddy Love is nothing but a good thing in Sherman's life, you know? it's it's, Mm -hmm. He's helping him with this one night that was, like, one of the lowest points in his whole life and just helped flip that whole thing around. And then he's also, you know, charming to the girl. The girl really likes him, so everything's coming up net positive in buddy's first kind of outing and it's not necessarily true for buddy's first outing in the original because he is so overly aggressive and demeaning to a lot of people yeah so it's it's definitely the slow burn works really well in the remake as opposed Mm -hmm. to the original where he's just like well he's a dick right off the bat yeah yeah it's like uh in that original it's like the dick was some some gleaming like shining moments they're few and far between but they're <laughs> they're strong enough like he you know ultimately he does have the heart of uh <laughs> of kelp you know somewhere <laughs> deep in there um versus like buddy love is in the remake is quite literally taking like taking over sort of you know like there mm-hmm. it is more jekyll and hyde like in that way in this remake and um like i said it's is disarming at first because like oh this guy's just wearing spandex and he's having fun and you know mm-hmm. he's, he got the guy that uh was being mean to him but then you know uh he, he takes it he takes it farther and like you mentioned not in his first interaction but as we see more of him there there's a lot less to like yeah that's something that the remake also has and that's stakes right buddy's becoming more aggressive he's becoming more of, sort of a threat to sherman's life instead of positive things happening because of buddy now more negative things are happening he's gonna lose his job he's gonna lose where he lives he's gonna lose the girl and um like you said he's slowly gonna become buddy there's not gonna be any more sherman anymore right so that's something the original doesn't have there's never the threat of buddy love just completely getting rid of professor kelp so i think that was a that was a pretty smart move 
on the remake too, just to have those stakes. There is also more stakes we'll get to as we talk about other characters, but yeah, just the threat of, well, your main character is not going to be in here anymore because he took the formula. So uh, I really like that in the remake. Yeah. You know, I think that um, there's, there's certainly more to explore with, uh, with both these characters, but as we're fleshing out some of these other characters in the film, I think we'll have a better pathway to fully discuss Buddy Love versus our sort of our, our mild-mannered characters, uh, that transition. I don't know about you, do you think it's a good idea to talk about the, uh, the love interest? Yeah, yeah, let's go there. That'll help us flesh out, because I'm sure that we got plenty more to talk about with Buddy oh, yeah. Love and the professors. All right, so we have Miss Purty and Purdy. Um, I'm just going to kind of say Purdy and just sure. feel like the same character. So Stella Stevens portrays Stella Purdy in the original, and then Jada Pinkett Smith plays Carla Purdy in the remake. I don't know, I guess maybe start with the original again. Uh, yeah. Just talk about Stella. Uh, just a different sort of professional relationship that they have sure. to the professor <laughs> in general because our Purdy in the... Let's, okay, I'll start with Carla. Carla is a fellow colleague. She's a new professor at the university. She teaches biology down the halls. So, you know, biology, oh, very important. Uh, teaching oh, biology. Chemistry. Oh, is it chemistry? Chemistry. Okay, my bad. Um, and uh, <laughs> as opposed to Stella Purdy, who is a student. Yep. Just his so, student. <laughs> just his student. So right off the bat, it's like, ooh, okay. Yeah. So I'll just start by saying good change in the remake. <laughs> Let's not make her a student. That's, that's very good. Yep. Yep. Yeah, giving her like a direct, uh, like this direct power dynamic, um, that again, we're so mm-hmm. attuned to these days that, like, uh, right? Yeah, I mean, like, he's grading her papers, he's <laughs> granting her exceptions. Like, she literally like falls asleep during the test. He's like, ah, well, Miss Purdy, yeah, you know, just whatever, whatever you want. And it's just like, yeah, I wish it wasn't his student. Cause, uh, <laughs> she even throws out the line um, towards the end about being like a professor's wife, and it's like that eh, tough when you're <laughs> when you're still. The student. <laughs> yeah, it just reminds me of like when we did Mulan. We were talking about how like she had a relationship with like the general and the original, and then they kind of got rid of that in the remake. So it's really, it's really yeah. not good when you have that weird power dynamic in these uh, original films. Yeah, and again, honestly, Sherman Clump's hangups are mostly his own. I mean, outside of uh, yes, yes, is he still? Uh, absent-minded and accident-prone, sure. It doesn't stop him from going on this original date, and although the date didn't go according to plan, I'm sure she would have gone out with him again. I mean, she ultimately was like, that comedian's a jerk, not you. Mm -hmm. And uh, making her a colleague makes sense because she respects his work, you know? There's no, like you mentioned, taking the power dynamic out is great because we're not worried about any other motivation (laughs) here. (laughs) But, like, yeah, like, she just respects his mind very early on in a way that even he hasn't come to grips with in himself. So uh, that power dynamic, I think, is a good change. But if, if you're asking me to, to call call this one straight up, these might be two of the weakest characters uh, that I've seen in film. Um, <laughs> there's, just not, there's just not much, even with Carla, like, there, there's not much there. She's not much of an improvement <laughs> From Stella, in my opinion. I don't know. Maybe you've got a different take on it. I mean, when you say it like that, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think if she really does anything to 
really contribute, but no, she's just sort of just that love interest. Um, that's just sort of part of this weird, bizarre love triangle. And uh, other than just making her a colleague in the remake, I don't really think they did much to really give her like any more like any agency or anything. Yeah. She just sort of helpless to buddy love in both films. And uh, yeah, I don't really yeah. remember her doing I mean, anything too memorable. I mean, like w when you look at Stella, okay, you know, whatever she, she's along for the ride, but like it kind of makes a little bit more sense. Like this buddy comes in, he just kind of sweeps up the whole town as it were in his, uh, in his wake. And I would say he's, he's a little bit more like aggressive, obviously um, this buddy love, especially early on. But, uh, you know, she gives about uh, the same amount of pushback as uh, Purdy does uh, Carla in this remake and with a completely different power dynamic. She's like, hey, buddy, we're moving too fast. And he's like, hey, sorry, sorry. And then, OK, we're moving too fast again. Or I wish you didn't do this. I kind of wish I saw more of the sweet guy um, for Carla. I mean, there's not much, not much different. I mean, other than, I guess, Sherman vouches for buddy kind of you know like because ultimately he knows or again or he thinks that she wants buddy and not him so he's pushing her in that direction but like it's the exact same note it's like eh, you know uh, yeah he's attractive but he's he's kind of a jerk and mm -hmm. you know he has a familiar face but you know, I, I just wish he would moving on that sweet side like even with extra scenes even for meeting the family and all the other stuff She's about as one note as Stella is in this original, and I just felt like it's such a, such a drop ball right there. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's Eddie's show. It is the Eddie show. <laughs> At the end of the day. <laughs> it is the um, Eddie show. <laughs> Everywhere. So, especially you put her in that dinner scene, it's with all Eddie, you're not going to remember anything she did. You're just going to remember all the silly shit that Eddie did. So, um, yeah, because all her scenes are with Eddie, and he's the more memorable of the two of them. She's never, like, by herself or, like, with anybody just, like, expressing her feelings or doing yeah. anything, really. So when it's her and Eddie, you're going to watch Eddie yeah. the whole time because yeah. he's just so dynamic in this movie. <laughs> I mean, you know, she's relegated to basically the same task of, like, we're going to zoom in on her face and watch her react to... Uh, <laughs> two things Eddie is doing uh, uh, in, in multiple ways, by the way, like we mentioned, like in the dinner scene, she's just like, oh my God, you know, like she doesn't really say much other than where she's from. Yeah. And, you know, it's awkward and they start talking about relations and all that stuff and she doesn't really <laughs> push back very hard in any way. She's, yeah, she almost has a moment uh, that's pretty strong in the remake, almost. Uh, there's the point where like, Buddy wants to like have like a four way <laughs> with her and these three other girls at the hotel, and then she's like, "No, forget you." And then she goes to Sherman and then sees the same three girls with Sherman. Yeah. And she's like, "Well, forget you." Right. And then you think like, "Well, what's she gonna do now?" But then she like immediately forgives Sherman when she sees the mom at the dinner. So it's like that was kind of drama that didn't really get resolved properly or even go anywhere we yeah. didn't need her to be mad at sherman or even buddy at that point it was yeah it's kind of yeah, useless you're right it's one of those uh it's one of those things like uh you know not that this isn't really a rom-com but it's like 
one of those things in a rom-com where they always this flimsy, stupid reason why it's all falling apart before it has to resolve itself. It's like, oh, you you forgot the song I like or something. You know, and then the next scene, yeah. the guy's playing the song. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. But yeah, this is very much like this where she doesn't really ask any questions. She's just like, oh, there's women and I have no reason to... <laughs> to believe that this is who you are but i immediately believe it <laughs> uh, and then to follow that up with um like you said the mom scene the mom's like he wouldn't do that and she's like yeah i guess you're right yeah <laughs> it's like at least let sherman resolve it somehow he, he kind of does because he reveals that he is him and a buddy but he never really like he doesn't really apologize he does yeah, yeah he doesn't really apologize exactly it's <laughs> so not, it's like i mean he apologized but not really directly to her in a meaningful way and i i, I yeah. found like they really let him off the hook. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, you know, if you were pretending to be somebody else <laughs> and making somebody fall in love with that person, you'd have to work really hard to earn that person's trust back. No? Yeah. <laughs> is that is that just me? <laughs> it's not just you. I, I like, uh, I thought that they sort of, uh, they missed the mark there in some of the re- resolution there. I'll say the same thing in, in many ways about the original as well that especially in the original i don't think they learn their lesson based off of what we see at the end but that's oh no uh, not at all <laughs> <laughs> just be yourself nope, nope. <laughs> no you don't <laughs> nope it's just like oh i want you to be yourself and again we'll discuss why <laughs> that's not necessarily the case <laughs> but i guess i mean she's not the greatest character but just just getting rid of that power dynamic yes i, I like that so i'll lean towards I, jada pinkett's portrayal i 100 percent agree Plus, like, I get, like, Stella in, the, in, like, the original, she's like, you know, I'm not really attracted to him because he's a jerk. I'm just so fascinated by, like, him. And it's like, I didn't really buy that right. so much that she's like, I need to know who he is because who acts like that? That's so interesting to me. It's like, is it? He's yeah. just an asshole. <laughs> What's interesting <laughs> about that? So, yeah. her motivation was weak for me. It is very weak. And, um... There was one scene. I again, I'm trying to remember the context. I think it was, I think it was actually Doctor Kelp himself in, in an interaction with her, and he's just like, ah, "Well, I gotta leave," and she just like looks directly at the camera and delivers this line. I feel like the girl on her wedding night, where her absent-minded husband goes to his mother's for dinner, and I, I just didn't get that. I didn't get why she was looking at the camera. I, was that supposed to be funny? You know, but you yeah, know, it, you it know, kept her on pace with lines with uh, Carla. <laughs> I just, uh, what, you, what, you got Jada Pinkett. You, you got her right here. Like she's a great actress. Like what are we doing? But you know, look. She, to your point, she does her job, right? The power dynamic's gone. She moves the movie along. There is tension there. She does react somewhat properly at certain times in the film. And you're right. It's more believable from her even though she's a very just like not fleshed out character it's more believable than this girl who's like he's a jerk but you know there's something else under this jerk it's like no there's not (laughs) guy's a dick actually just want to talk a little bit about the buddy characters just because you had mentioned something and it just reminded me of something something both of these actors do pretty well is um a lot of times buddy is kind of reverting back Uh, to the professor so they have to do these you know, they're changes in the, in the voice, and uh, they do a 
an excellent job, both actors here, just getting back to the signature professor and then just getting back to their regular voice. And I think Jerry probably has to do a little more heavy lifting because I don't think he really talks like um, Buddy Love or the Professor Kelp at all. So he's probably somewhere like his real voice is probably in the middle. Because yeah. like when Eddie becomes Buddy Love, that's that's just like Eddie. Yeah, I don't. I don't really true. think that. I mean, he's a little louder, maybe, but he's pretty much just sounding like Eddie, as opposed to like when Jerry has to become Buddy Love. He has to like put on this kind of Dean Martin thing, right? Yeah. So it's good on him for just being able to really go back and forth, like flawlessly between those two different voices. You know, Eddie does a great job too, but I just wanted to address that both of oh, the yeah. actors well, um, did I, a great job at that. Yeah, when it comes to that transformation, I think Eddie gets a lot of help. Like you mentioned, from the CGI yeah. and stuff like that, there's a, you know, physically things change about him. Whereas, like for Jerry, like you mentioned, it is it's basically just his voice. Nothing else changes. I guess technically he can't see as well, so you get the blurry camera effect mm-hmm. from time to time. But like he's in the middle of the song and it's like, ain't that that black magic? <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's like, well, good. Um, <laughs> yeah, just, mm, 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 mm. give me a second. Give me a second. Uh, I'm gonna have to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> He's great. He's actually, you're right. That that's a lot of lot of fun. And Eddie, you know, like to your point, the the Sherman Club voice is a little bit deeper in the register, and, yeah. but there's there's not much else to it. But like you know, not saying it's a bad job, but I, I I'm putting the lean in when it comes to transformation towards jerry to your point because he he's doing characters right whereas eddie like you mentioned eddie is just hey what's up everybody <laughs> it's fun i like it but uh jerry jerry's got it in my i'll mind. also give it to jerry in the original he has the best reaction when his first transformation back to professor kelp he's like oh shit i'm turning back to the professor he just jumps off a goddamn <laughs> cliff that was, i didn't see that coming i was just i was just laughing my ass off when he did that i was like well gotta go (laughs) it's so funny it's so funny yeah so there's definitely moments that work in that original yeah for sure yeah there's there's definitely a lot of moments and um you know one that we were talking about so i guess this would be a good time um to talk about the uh the deans the doctors whatever you want to call them because one of the strongest scenes involves him so we have our doctor slash dean del moore portrays dr mortimer s warfield in the original and then we have larry miller as dean richmond in the remake and i'll just throw them out there just in case we talk about them too del moore has an assistant uh kathleen freeman as millie lemon and then we have james corbin as harlan hartley who's plays pretty heavily into the plot even though he doesn't have like a really big part yeah so del moore reminds me a lot of your generic kind of dean you know he feels like the guy that's going to shut down animal house you know yeah that's exactly what i was thinking. double secret probation yeah and he's like kelp how long have you been here and it's like uh, two and a half years and 46 seconds yeah, yeah. You know? i love that he's so buttoned up because it does lend itself comedically to uh, something that we'll discuss in uh, mm-hmm. just a few moments but um we don't get a, a ton of him, I and mean, it's not like Delmore is using a lot of range in most of his dealings here, but uh, he's a very proficient at what he needs to do, which is come across as an authority figure. Uh, he's very believable as a as a doctor, as a professor, as it were, um, and he's got that stern, like, shape up or ship out thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Larry, um, 
Larry, Larry Miller, Miller, though, there. This is a much more comedic take all around, and he plays very well with both authority and humor in a way that uh, I don't think Delmore gets the opportunity to uh, to play with as much. And, and you know, we get Larry very early on with this. Uh, I alluded to it, but like the guinea pig versus the hamster scene, and uh, he's very serious. And you know, clump, you know, you, you got one more chance, but because he has this, this motivation of clump, you scared away all of my donors. And there's like, there's not much money left. His having to like kind of kiss ass for money is, is a fun little dynamic that uh, elevates his character, in my opinion. Yeah, he kind of has a. Uh two roles that he's kind of playing he's kind of sort of an antagonist to professor clump and then he's sort of this sniveling ass kisser who will do anything for money he's like so desperate to get money that he's he's pathetic and he's threatening at the same time so it, it, it's a fun character for sure and um i don't know it's it's, it's just a, it's just a fun portrayal uh <laughs> I, I just like him in general he's, he's a fun actor I, I thought he was great in best in show I always enjoy <laughs> watching him on the screen. And then you have the the Dr. Mortimer. You know, like you said, he he plays it straight, and that does pay off later. Um, should we get into this scene? Yeah, yeah, since we're talking about Because uh, as we're kind of framing this out, like uh, Larry Miller's character interacts kind of regularly with uh, with both Clump and Buddy, uh, Buddy Love in a way that we don't get in the original so like again sometimes buddy's at wellman college <laughs> nice uh playoff of spellman um he's, sometimes he's at wellman college in the professor's office sometimes he's just talking to clump and there's a fun little dynamic that kind of happens in the original in the sense that they sort of have to be in the same place at once and uh in the original film basically the prom like what the Kind of. Yeah, it was like, this isn't high school, right? <laughs> or do they call proms that in college or something? I don't know. Sure, it's called the prom, but they're, they're, we're not dating high school girls here, right? <laughs> this, is, nah, no. this is definitely college kids, especially the older varsity guys who got, like, fucking AARP cards. I mean, those guys look old as fuck. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> but yeah, there, there's, like, a scene where uh, Stella shows up kind of late for a meeting where they're putting together... um this kind of prom committee and, yeah. <laughs> and sure. Delmore's character is just like going over oh the music act okay the comedy act great B- buddy buddy love him haven't heard of haven't heard of him who's that and you know basically the whole punch here is that he has to meet buddy love first before he's cleared to perform at the prom which gives our professor kelp a bit of a dilemma here where he has to produce buddy love who no one else knows how to get a hold of <laughs> and the, the biggest nerd in school apparently who happens to be a professor uh knows how to reach the coolest guy in town <laughs> so again all that's just set up so that for this meeting buddy love faces off with our dr mortimer s warfield and warfield kind of starts with his like tough guy act and buddy love just like breaks him down he's like Hey, uh, you ever think about acting? Oh, yeah, and at a time. Yeah, really? Like, <laughs> <laughs> look at this suit. Oh, I love that suit. The way it, the way it shapes your body. It looks oh, so... just off the rack. You know? <laughs> really, a guy like you, muscular guy like you, wear anything, huh? <laughs> and he's like, you know, he's just playing into this guy's sort of vanity. 
And by the end, he's got him on the desk <laughs> in a coat with a hat on, umbrella like a cane, and he's doing Hamlet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, I just love that scene so much. Like, he yeah. moves the light so it's on him, and to be in the, no, you gotta make me feel it. You gotta. Yeah, hey, <laughs> Buddy keeps interrupting him because he's about to go. This guy is so excited to perform in front of Buddy, and he's like, no, 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 it's not, it's not quite right yet. I, I really gotta feel it. So he keeps making these small little changes. He's like, no, it's gonna be beautiful. Oh, I'm gonna be moved. This is, gonna, I can't believe what I'm about to see here. He's just, not like that. Not like that. I need the real thing here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's really cool because like to this point. This this character's authority has not been questioned at all. Mm-hmm. And if you had to point to any scene where I think Buddy Love shines at his best, I think it's this scene. Like yeah. just the the fast talking, they both really play off each other well mm-hmm. in terms of the acting. And for as absurd of a scene as it is, because it ultimately ends with the, the, <laughs> the Doctor uh, Warfield on the desk, pants down, <laughs> jacket on. Floppy hat, you know, like all this nonsense physical kind of comedy. And uh, he's just there, again, with his pants down, like, to be... Uh, <laughs> is it to be? No, nah, whatever the Hamlet line is. Yeah, matter. to be or not to be. Yeah. You got it. You got it. Yeah, and he's just like, he's so triumphant. He's got the umbrella. He's like, to be or not to be? That is the question. Before he realizes his pants are down. <laughs> he's it's not like, even that upset that his pants are down. No, nah, no, nah, because... You know, he, he's thinking about the old days. Like, maybe I could take another run at acting, you know? <laughs> it's not a major point, not even a big deal, but that's kind of a cool thing that, like, you know, everyone has their dreams or something like that, and things change as you as you change, and Buddy Love, I guess, gives people a chance to, you know, live that wild, crazy life that you really can't. Um, again, that's not really all there in the film, but, like, it's, it's an interpretation you could take, and I, I thought it was honestly one of the the strongest scenes in the film and actually my favorite scene personally yeah i think that's the most memorable scene in the film for me definitely it just again we talk about playing against your expectations you're led to believe that this dr mortimer is just this hard ass who like nobody can please and there's no way that he's going to allow buddy love you know to perform at this prom and then if you had been asked like do you think he's going to be standing without his pants on doing hamlet by the end of the scene you're like what so it's you know just really plays into the charm that Buddy Love can really have just over a person because not only does he get the doctor in this ridiculous situation, but it's actually pretty believable (laughs) that he's able to get him there just through flattery. Like, you know what? This guy has a huge ego. You just stroke that and then you can get him. He's going to be putty in your hands. So they really did that scene well. It was really enjoyable. Uh, Like I said, most memorable scene in the movie for me. And, uh, yeah, just a great job by two actors that oh really God. nailed it. I, I'll put that up against a lot of scenes in films. You know, like, for instance, we watched, like, The In-Laws and stuff like that, and I think that's a movie that captures that type of humor mm-hmm. consistently. But, like, I mean, that, you know, it's it's one take right there, and those guys, like, pull that off, like, yeah. so well. So, um, again, uh, 1963 versus 96, it doesn't matter. That's That's just a good scene, in my opinion. We get we get some similar humor from this sort of uh, this Miller buddy love reaction. Not quite necessarily the two actors playing off of themselves, more or less the situation. Because uh, Sherman Clump is supposed to meet up at the Ritz to present to, as you mentioned, Harlan Hartley, played by James Coburn. He's supposed to present the idea, what Sherman's been working on, this whole technology that makes you into a buddy love type character. And of course, because... Buddy loves taking over. Sherman's not showing up. 
his buddy. And not only is Sherman not showing up, but he doesn't even care if Sherman gets fired. Because <laughs> uh, he's just trying to get laid. Uh, I mean, literally, he's just trying to get <laughs> laid. But he has to deal with the inconvenience of presenting this plan. And it's another one of those fun scenes where Eddie comes in. Very similar to the Warrington scene that uh, we didn't talk too much about, but like very similar to like turning everything on its head with expectations as well. Uh, he's like, look at this chick. She's fat. And this guy's fat. He's got a double chin. Tank <laughs> ass. Tank ass. <laughs> I'm your brother. I'm your brother. <laughs> it's, it's a fun scene. And like, um, you know, he's basically pitching this idea that like you can change yourself on a molecular level. It's it's not the traditional way you do the grant pledge, <laughs> but you know by then he's like speaking to ass. Look at this table of hot chicks right <laughs> fucking here. <laughs> you know, show show them. You know he's spinning girls around and he's uh you know you see them later on having a conversation amongst themselves. This table of three attractive women <laughs> saying he says he's enough man for all of us and, and of course his love interest overhears that. Obviously he creates tension throughout the film, but like. I just like that Eddie's able to, like you mentioned, just take that scene on himself and just walk through this entire scene and say, this, 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 but mm-hmm. I'm still going to sell you on, on the grant. You're still going to make your money because, hey, Buddy Love has that charm. And it's a, it's a similar charm to what we see with Del Moore in that, that uh, Hamlet scene. But I, I, I personally, slightly, slightly prefer the Del Moore because we get to see a one-on-one acting experience. But this Eddie Murphy scene is very strong and... Uh, Honestly, because the film is filled with more strong moments, I'm kind of grading on a curve here. But this is a very strong scene for Eddie, too. I mean, it's it's pretty hilarious. Yeah, it's definitely a good scene for Eddie. Um, again, it kind of plays against expectations. You don't think he's going to pull through because you think he's just thinking about getting laid the whole time. But he is able to sort of be brash and kind of bring that buddy love approach to things and still get the job done, like making it look so easy. But I think you just said it towards the end there. I think because we had seen Buddy Love do similar things, I think that scene, his first introduction, like at the scream, where he's just able to turn it around on Reggie on stage, I think that kind of takes away a little bit of just like the brilliance of him being able to do whatever he wants. Because we know he can do that already because we saw it before. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit more the same without being exactly the same. That kind of makes sense yeah so that's why i think the scene in the original film just has more impact because we had never seen buddy do anything that charming like just <laughs> the whole time because usually he's two steps or one step forward two steps back kind of a guy i'll be charming but then i'll be a huge dick but that yeah. whole scene in the original film it was just charm 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 i got exactly what i want okay uh, now i'm out of here yeah so i think that's why you probably prefer the original one too which I, is i think it's a stronger scene too yeah i, I think so it's just uh <clears throat> Because it, it's directly related to, in a movie with, like, honestly, three characters. <laughs> in, <laughs> in a movie with, like, three real characters, uh, to have one of them sort of subvert the other, while also kind of giving you backstory on the other character, elevating him, showing you mm-hmm. more about who he is, and both of those actors doing this flip in the scene. Like, right. it's, it's a really cool scene, because, like, Again, it starts out, I'm, I'm Warfield, but then, oh, yeah, 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 I guess I have been working out. I guess, yeah, this is a nice suit. And uh, to have that that change, and it actually affects that character throughout the rest of the film, actually. It's a great scene. Yeah, For, it's like, to that point, too, because, like, in the remake, it's it's a bunch of new characters. Like, this is the first time we're meeting Harlan Hartley, all the people that Eddie goes around to, like, we had never seen them before. The only person that we're familiar with, really, is Miss Purdy, who's not even there, really, and then... <laughs> then just uh, Dean Richmond, and mm-hmm. he's not really 
impressed. He's just kind of still being an ass kisser the whole time. Yeah, because Dean Richmond at this point is like, oh my god, I can't believe this guy tank ass. <laughs> so so Dean Richmond. It's absurd. Re- I assure you, he has no affiliation with this school. He's brilliant. I to- it I, it is absurd that he has no affiliation with this school. <laughs> it's just that that was a brilliant little turn oh, right there. So good, so good. And yeah, it's, and and that's ultimately what's great about both these scenes that it's a great scene Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know i just like i have a slight preference for one but again in the context of really just the acting i I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed that they got to play like that in that time this scene is more consequential for eddie murphy in the sense that like it sets up this fall for sherman you Mm -hmm. know buddy's gain to your point earlier is sherman's uh loss you know they're not working as a unit, in fact, by the end, they're both trying to kind of replace each other. It's like, hey, look, dude, you're not going to take my life and vice versa. So still a very strong scene. I mean, look, who who can complain about a wild, wild party at Sherman's house <laughs> afterwards with the, uh, the, the threesome? I mean, like, this is great stuff. You mean the foursome, man. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're right. It is a foursome. Yeah. Buddy love, uh, huh? <laughs> Yeah, I just I will just want add one little thing to Dean Richmond too. I had mentioned it earlier. It's another thing that the remake does really well is just add stakes. We had talked about how the buddy love persona is taking over, but he's also getting Sherman fired. You know, his job is yeah. on the line for this grant proposal. It's like if you don't do this, what? Well, not even <laughs> like his job. Like his life is on the line. I will kill you. I will literally strangle you. Cut off your air supply until you die, <laughs> yeah. and then you'll be dead. So it's like there's a lot at stake for Sherman here in the remake just that the dean does bring to it because he's like we need this money and if we don't get it um you're out and there's not really anything like that with the dr mortimer there's no like well if buddy doesn't perform at this prom or if you don't show up to chaperone the prom then you're out of here his job is never at stake his standing with the community is never at stake Uh, him losing his identity is not even an issue so you know we're just building on all the conflicts that Sherman has to overcome in the remake. Mm-hmm. And I think those are a bunch of smart decisions, smart decisions that really just kind of make you root for Sherman more. You don't really need to root for Dr. Kelp in the original. Cause it's right. There's no, there's no existential threat or anything. No, I mean, ultimately too, like, <clears throat> does it really matter? Does it, I mean, if he's Kelp or if he's buddy, I mean, yeah, it doesn't really matter. I mean, buddy could be nicer, but you know, he's, yeah, he's obnoxious, you know? Okay, so what? <laughs> versus uh, zero point in this remake versus, yeah, Sherman, I mean, immediately after the scene, he's about to get evicted. <laughs> he lost his job and has been replaced by Buddy. He, love interest hates him, you know? So Sherman had a lot to lose. And Buddy even uh, at this point has made his turn based off of what we're discussing right now as ultimately our villain mm-hmm. in this film. Where in the original, Buddy Love's not, the villain he's just a result of your experiment in the remake buddy yeah he's he wants your life (laughs) he'll take it and has no qualms about it completely different uh completely different turn where should we go from there should we start talking about the family do we want to talk about any other characters first no we'll talk about the family then you know we'll round out some other characters and i guess sort of get into like the endings of the film i think after that okay yeah. All right, so the families, let's talk about them very briefly, especially in the original, very briefly. <laughs> we have Howard Morris as Mr. Elmer Kelp, Elvira Allman as Mrs. Edwina Kelp, 
And then in the remake, we have Eddie Murphy as everyone, almost yep. everyone. We do have Jamal Mixon as Ernie Klump Jr., Sherman's nephew. But Eddie's mom, dad, brother, grandma, all portrayed by Eddie. Yeah. So I guess we'll just, since they are so brief, I think we should start with the original. And yeah. uh, you had mentioned it before. We get a little flashback with a little baby Jerry Lewis just watching his parents um, interact. And you do see the power dynamic that it is very much the mom in control and just how pathetic the dad is. And after that, we don't really get much of them uh, until the very end. Until the end, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, we know he's going to send them the formula because he's afraid of losing it. And so it's a good thing he sent it to them because he did need it later. But he never really interacts with them until the very end, right? Yeah, I mean, not not really. I mean, we get this flashback, you know. Really, I guess the only reason we get the flashback is because not everybody's a bodybuilder, you know, genetics and, you know, your genetic makeup. So they go all kind of Freud on us and we go back to <laughs> how everything started. And, um, you know, honestly, I guess any backstory in this film was... I guess it's appreciated, but like, honestly, I could take it or leave it. I mean, I, I, it's pretty inconsequential, his family dynamic. We just get a better understanding of maybe why Kelp is the way that he is today. Like you mentioned, they're there for that flashback. They're there for the end. And honestly, at that point, the movie already ended. So getting them there was, I guess, like a little bonus. But uh, their presence in many ways undermines the film. So uh, I'm not really big on Kelp's family in this, this movie. Yeah, I didn't really think they were that important i mean i guess you do see the flashback where you see that the mom has all the power and just to turn that around i guess at the end because you see that the father had actually taken the formula so now he's talking like dean martin and then the wife is the very submissive one in that relationship so there's a little play with that but you know like you said it's so close towards the end it's the payoff is very small <laughs> to just seeing them do that so yeah you know you could take them or leave them really especially considering that like that message is basically exact counter to the message we got like literally a scene, <laughs> a scene earlier it is is quite literally the opposite thing of what we just thought was the resolution of the film so interesting <laughs> interesting strategy cotton <laughs> See, <you know? laughs> but yeah no it's cool i mean um in some ways it's a pretty poor technical effect, but it, it's a technical effect that we see a young <laughs> Dr. Kelp, um, and it certainly doesn't match what we see in this remake when it comes to Eddie Murphy's family and the way <laughs> this scene is shot. Even to, to this day, it's a pretty cool shot scene, all that, and like Eddie Murphy's done that before. If you've ever seen Coming to America, he's been multiple characters in the same scene with uh, heavy prosthetics, but this one... Uh, actually very strong uh multi-character playback between the same guy playing cletus clump and whatever clump and it's a little little fartsy with the humor i think (laughs) yeah it does get to some uh low lows when they just start farting and they they double down on that by doing that later when they bring uh purdy over uh, but it is, it's a very fun scene. And mm-hmm. I, before I get into the, I guess, just what happens, it's just like, it still holds up today. 
you yeah. know, just having Eddie play all those characters. There's not a lot of scenes where you sort of see him sitting next to himself where they had to green screen it. There's a lot of just like him next to kind of a stand-in. So mm-hmm. it was really well shot in that way. And then even this, the green screen scenes, like you can kind of see like a little bit of a green reflection on his skin. It's like, okay, so that one was a green screen and he's really yeah. there. I mean, it's st- but it still it looked holds pretty up. Good. It holds up a lot better than the transformation effects. I'll yes. say that. <laughs> yes. The transformation effects are um, they're clunky. I mean, you know, Flubber would be a good kind of comparison point at that point. But like, no, like uh, the, the dinner scene is a very technically shot scene and like uh again besides some of the lowbrow humor um there's actually some fairly i wouldn't say highbrow but there's some really like funny punchy lines in there um before they go down the fart lane Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um even like uh afterwards after the film kind of seeing some of the bloopers and how they shot some of those scenes like you mentioned with the stand-in and stuff like that i was like wow that, that was really really clean like smart filmmaking there and um I appreciate it. I mean, it's it's similar to uh, Kelp's family where, like, okay, whatever, like, Kelp's dad is a pushover, and that's why Kelp's a pushover. Eddie Murphy's family likes to eat, and that's why Eddie Murphy's big, you know? Like, there's not much there, but because they're able to do all the the prosthetic work is, is spot on. Eddie's character work is spot on where, like, mm-hmm. if you didn't know that it's him in every scene, like, if you had no context of that... Someone could watch that film and be like, wow, who are all these actors? And it's, you know, it's the same guy. Yeah. It's really impressive because the flows of the conversations just seem so natural. And you forget that he's doing all the lines, you know? Right. He's kind of reacting to what he's going to say or already said. So it's it's really impressive in that aspect. Yeah. I'm sure, like, maybe the stand-ins reciting one of his lines, but it's still, like, all Eddie at the end of the day. And it, yeah. And you can't help but just be like impressed that that still holds up like 24 years later. Yeah. Uh, just really well done. And like, I, I know some of the comedy is a little stupid, but you know, some of it's a little funny too. Like my favorite is the grandma clump. I just, I just think yeah. she's the funniest, you know, Mike Douglas used to make her moist. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the only white man who can make her moist. <laughs> it's, just, it's absurd. It, it's, it's ridiculous. Absurd. <laughs> uh, I won't repeat it because uh, really, uh, <laughs> really a couple of in bombs in this movie uh, <laughs> that I don't I don't think like one they're not necessary at all so I don't know why I even kind of mess with your rating a little bit but uh, when <laughs> when he has um, Reggie play the piano at the end it's like a, again it's like an in bomb uh, Ashi like <laughs> Liberace line. It, I was like, that's fucking funny. I don't care <laughs> who you are. Again, I'm not going to repeat it here, but like, I was like, that that's a funny joke right now. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Like, some of the references that he makes, it's just it's it's a great great scene. I think honestly, it's the scene that gets him the remake. I mean, yeah. not the remake. It's the, the scene sequ- that gets him the sequel. Yeah. You know. So, look, uh, the clumps were a thing. I'm, you know, again being like eight at the time i know you're a little bit older but like going to school and hearing people talk about the name professor and the hercules hercules like that yeah. i've heard that line a thousand times you know it's just a very very cool scene i think honestly the only scene that eddie murphy does like that that i may like a little bit more is the coming to america scene in the barbershop but like it, it's so well done yeah 
I mean, it's not really necessary to drive for the plot, but nope. you know what? It's fun and well done. So uh, at that point, you just go along for the ride because it, it is an enjoyable ride. Yeah. And the first, the first one felt better than the second one. I mean, the second dinner scene still has its, its highs, but like that first mm-hmm. scene, just like he, he's firing. When it's really, literally, just him and uh, that one, you know, random kid playing the nephew. <laughs> but like, when it's all him, it works. Which again, you know, Jada Pinkett. I think if they would have given her a little bit more to do in that scene, mm-hmm. they could have elevated. But like, she's really just kind of reacting. Yeah. And again, when you look at the blue blooper, she's like, "Yo, you got Eddie over here," because <laughs> clearly he is ad living here because no one could write this stuff for, for that guy. You know, he's just too smart. He's too brilliant. Yeah, just to sell it the way he does. No, but I get what you're saying about the second dinner scene. It does feel like a little bit more the same, especially mm-hmm. since they do bring the fart jokes back. It's like, yeah. did we need the fart jokes again? Like, just give me the grandma talking about relations. Because, yeah. oh, relations is a beautiful thing. You know, sometimes I relate to myself. It's yeah. like, come on, grandma talking about <laughs> masturbation at the dinner table. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, give me more of that unless the fart stuff. <laughs> I think, honestly, if they tried to do this again, which I'm not saying they should. <laughs> if, if they tried to do this again, I think less farting would be good. Honestly, like, today, like, uh, is the fat two percent, is it necessary? Not really, but, like, whatever. It is what it is. Um, but this, this, to me, is some of the strongest comedy in this film. And, again, is it consequential? Does it change anything? Does it? elevate or add anything no but it's a lot of fun <laughs> so uh just a little side note i was looking up some facts on imdb and jerry lewis who is a producer in this movie was actually going to be in the film but yeah. opted out after he saw there was too much farting too many fart jokes so <laughs> so those fart that. jokes they didn't play with us they didn't play well with us and then we also lost a little cameo of the original professor there yeah. so look what well, fart well, jokes do well you know uh he wasn't wrong. There were too many fart jokes. <laughs> I mean, I still like the uh, when he's having that dream sequence. That was a funny fart joke. Yeah. The nuclear okay. bomb. I'll, I'll take that the, one. The nuclear fart. All right. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, you don't see nuclear fart all the time. <laughs> all right. Well, let's, let's get to him because we had talked about him. And come on. Dave Chappelle is Reggie Warrington. We got to go here. I mean... <laughs> I don't even know where to start with this. I'll say this. I have... I've never before or since seen Chappelle that animated <laughs> being yeah. a character. Just like all the little moves he does. Now, <laughs> um, part of that, I think, is uh, him kind of, as they say over in the UK, taking the piss out of uh, out of a very particular time in stand-up. As you know, I am a stand-up named Reggie as well. <laughs> I 100% get the references because he's talking specifically about Def Jam style comedy. There was... There was this weird time in, like, the 90s where, like, Def Jam just was running the comedy game and, like, they had their HBO show and you would showcase all these different acts. And in retrospect, there were some high highs and there were some low lows because there were some hacks running around. And I think his character is a send-up to that, like, his pants are are, uh, (laughs) sagging. You can see his, like, yellow underwear. He's got the big, goofy, like, Dr. Seuss hat (laughs) kind of going on. Um He's just so animated. Like, the women be shopping is literally him making fun of comedians <laughs> with bad premises. <laughs> but, like, he's such a good comic that he's selling it. <laughs> they they do be shopping, you know? Um, 
Uh, and that is a style of, uh, of comedy at the time of just like a lot of Def Jam comics did this, which is just like pointing at something somebody's wearing or doing and making fun of it. So it's like the first girl comes up, he's like, Oh, she's un- unbelievable, you know? <laughs> like, look at this. What is a weave exactly? Like, what is? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, he's, he sells it so well. <laughs> uh, uh, like, I, I definitely have a small penis. <laughs> it's, it's such, it's such a fun character. And then, like, the relentlessness of which he goes after uh, Eddie Murphy, Sherman Clump is just brutal. I mean, it's joke after joke is like oh i bet he uh has has to use a boomerang to put his belt on (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we got a a full moon tonight (laughs) 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 it's uh, it's like the funniest meanest thing yeah (laughs) i mean it it does the job beautifully it it sets him up as this villain that's like oddly funny and entertaining i mean because that's what he is like to some people he's the funniest guy and then to other people like the people who he's humiliating he's gonna seem like the biggest villain so i think the movie's able to really show both aspects of that uh really well and dave Chappelle is able to sell it (laughs) so good i i think that it again i don't know if this is exactly what they're going for but like that dynamic of uh no one else sees Sherman the way that he sees himself. So, like, in this moment, it, you know, obviously, we just made fun of that lady because of her hair. We made fun of that guy because he's white, you know? Like, uh, yes, he's leaning in. He's doing more towards Sherman. But, like, the the impact, because if you didn't have them zoom into Sherman, see Eddie's face, hear the sad music, he's just still ripping it. And we're, like, we'll probably <laughs> still be laughing, you know? But, like, he felt it. And uh, I think anyone that's ever felt which I guess is probably everybody who's felt sort of out of place, bullied or anything like that. In that moment, you could see like the psychological impact on that. And for a movie that again, can go as low as a nuclear fart to be able to kind of thread the needle in this scene is actually pretty impressive. Yeah. And then just to, you know, have that be like the first moment of triumph sort of for buddy love and just, the, the dynamic that Buddy Love and Reggie Warrington have on stage. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I want to talk a little bit about Eddie first, because, like, yeah. I remember when I saw this, like, just his laughing, his nonsensical laughing, yeah. he had to give himself the Heimlich. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He's, He's like, you want to wait for the punchline, brother? <laughs> I mean, oh. I don't know how Eddie was able to just laugh. Like, I mean, I, <laughs> it's insane just how it, much he was laughing. It's crazy. And I think that, like, uh, again, because we did talk about Jada Pink a little bit. And, again, I know her as a very strong actress, but, like, I don't think she could have held up against no. this guy. He was just <laughs> on fire in this movie. <laughs> like you said, the Heimlich, the spitting the thing out. Ah, <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's not that funny. But, um, and then just, like, again, it's very reminiscent of, of uh, Jerry Lewis going in and saying, all right, why don't you take a break? I'll, you know. Mm-hmm. tickle the keys for a minute it's similar to that where he like he gets up and he just starts dishing it out he's like uh uh reggie's mom and uh mr mr ed you know? <laughs> yeah yeah i was like, watching that and then he's like he goes into it he's like you know you could see because people can picture your mom and mr ed just going nee, nee. <laughs> and then i'm watching that and sam's like oh my god this is pg-13 like how can he say that i'm like that was the 90s <laughs> yes, yeah. that's the shit you said back then absolutely absolutely <laughs> It's just such a, um, it is a really powerful scene. Um, again, for besides the uh, sort of the dinner table 
exploits, as it were. Like, I found those moments, the Reggie Warrington intro, <laughs> the Reggie Warrington takedown to be, like, some of our best interactions with Buddy Love here. And this is, like, the last time you're going to like Buddy Love in this right. movie. So enjoy it while you can. Oh, yeah, it was great, yeah, because there's going back and forth uh, your mom is so fat jokes, and then, like, it just comes down to a physical brawl. <laughs> yeah. He's about to karate as your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's so fucking good, and then he's got that fucking terrible <laughs> the hair underneath there. He's like, I've heard of dreadlocks, but shitlocks? Shitlocks. <laughs> you take yeah. the comedy too far. Get, get that shit off your head. <laughs> uh, even, uh... Uh, you may remember, I forget what song they sing, but like to have him do the high note. <laughs> yeah, the loving you is because be- oh yeah, beautiful. yeah, it is that song. <laughs> Fun. I mean, this is just again a very very strong scene. Mm-hmm. This to me truly feels like the intro to Buddy Love in this film, right? Um, and is the most sort of reminiscent to the original in terms of Buddy Love in a crowd of people being loved by everybody, although. Like, on the outside, it looks great, but for the main love interest, this, this kind of sucks. You know? Well, at this point, no, not even. Nah, no, it's still yet. good. Yeah. <laughs> he was just kind of late, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, last time he was there, everybody was laughing at him, and then, then he had this comic that was, like, this villain, and this time he was able to humiliate the comic, physically <laughs> assault him, <laughs> yep. and not get arrested for it somehow, and that having everybody in the room cheer him. It's the exact opposite of what yep. happened the last time he was there. So everything, like I said before, just a net positive because of this Buddy Love character that he came up with. And yeah, you, you're on that character's side because the crowd's cheering, you're cheering for him too. You, you hated what Reggie Warrington did to him and you, you just love to see him get his comeuppance like that. Yep. You know, until he literally tries to uh, kill off Sherman. You know, that's... uh. Yeah, up till that point. But, you know, at this point, you're still... You're just like, yeah, go, buddy, go. Good job, man. Good job. Yeah, I think I, I do see you had uh, one other character here. Yeah, I just wanted to mention him because he does play a minor role in the remake, and that's John Ailes as Jason. I just wanted to mention him because uh, he's sort of the confidant to yeah. Sherman. He's the only one who knows that Sherman is Buddy Love. Right. You right. don't have a character like that in the original film that knows that he's both. And I thought that was an interesting character to introduce. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting character to introduce. I mean, he is reduced by the fact that he spends most of his time being just knocked out randomly. <laughs> um, but yeah, he does research with, with Sherman. He he understands the danger because Sherman's clouded. His judgment is clouded. And uh, in the original film, that's not too bad because, you know, being Buddy Love is still a temporary thing the entire time. In his remake, we learn that Buddy Love is trying to become a permanent fixture. And Sherman being sort of the disappearing act here. Jason doesn't want that to happen. He sees this way too much testosterone. <laughs> uh, you know, again, I was talking to my wife. I was like, I guess the villain is toxic masculinity in this movie. <laughs> you know? And he tries to protect, protect his buddy. He puts a lot of things in the context. Uh, for a minor character, I think he is actually a really strong character. And especially towards the end of the movie, I think he does a lot of uh, important work to move the, uh, the plot along and get us to our ultimate resolution. So... Uh, a worthy addition in terms of people to actually talk about. Yeah. And again, we talked about like Sherman just like being a little more well adjusted than Professor Kelp was. Like this guy is like, you know, he's an ally. He's a buddy. You know, sure. he's he's there for Sherman. He's looking out for Sherman's best interest. Even like 
when he discovers that Buddy Love is Professor Sherman, like he sees the credit card, he's like, that guy's not Professor Sherman. Like he's he's looking out for him like from the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, just lets you know that people care about Sherman, and yeah. you know that's important because he can be a little bit hard on himself just because of the the weight issue, and it's it's good that he has people like that in his life. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, you know, we said it before, but that is a key distinction between the original and the remake. The original, I don't know who cares about uh, <laughs> kelp. Honestly, I don't think anybody cares about kelp. Shit, even his own parents don't really care about <laughs> kelp. But you're right. In, in this remake, again, I you know it brings me back to it. I think that Sherman's own self-esteem and perception is more him. Yes, there are people that are going to be sort of uh, prejudiced. I don't know what the word is there, but like, yeah, there's people that are going to prejudge him because of his size and stuff like that. But like overall, like he's got a pretty good support system here between family i mean he's able to go on dates and jason here looking out for him in case some guy steals his credit card i mean maybe being sherman is not that bad huh (laughs) maybe that's the lesson here (laughs) is is that the lesson be yourself (laughs) Uh, we do do know he's never been with a woman though because the grandma does say 35 years built up (laughs) built up your whole head my papa (laughs) (laughs) that line is nuts it's fun (laughs) that's a fun line man (laughs) all right i mean those are really all the characters i thought were um, important enough to talk about or any characters you want to get into before we get into the ending remembering these two films i can't see how there would be (laughs) pretty pretty limited here all right so let's talk about the endings a little bit we had already kind of alluded to this uh the message about being yourself at the end of the day so i'm actually gonna start with the remake here because that's definitely uh the overall theme um like we said buddy loves kind of a jerk and he is going to take over sherman's body and there won't be the sherman clump identity or consciousness in the body anymore so um we're brought to this fundraising gala which is also supposed to prove to or is it supposed to prove to harlan hartley that to give the 10 million dollars uh to the school so sherman um is determined to finally let the cat out of the bag that it's him but buddy does end up tricking him by replacing one of his slim fast shakes with uh was it what is it called slim fast or is it, it was a luke perkins shake i don't know exactly what uh, okay it was so called. one of the luke perkins shakes he just replaces it with uh the, what's called the buddy love formula and so buddy is able to get to this gala and you know sherman invited everybody he invited his parents too so they're all there and then there's this weird kind of battle going on and we have this is where the cgi doesn't really age well because you nah. do see him just blowing up to becoming sherman size and then reverting back to kind of eddie's size Jason does show up a little bit to kind of delay him from drinking the formula. But ultimately, the battle of Sherman is won by Sherman. And he's able to get rid of that buddy love persona and get the money and get the girl. Yeah. So it's win, win, win. And you just got to be yourself. And even uh, Harlan Hartley's like, I gave you the money because he's such a charming gentleman. Oh, wasn't that nice of you to give $10 million because somebody's a gentleman? I mean... Damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, you want your happy ending. Everything's resolved in a very <laughs> nice and neat package. And, uh, yeah, the message of be yourself obviously plays well here. Yeah, and 
I think what strengthens that message in this uh, in this remake is that Sherman has come to that conclusion on his own too, even before these events happen. He said, "Look, we tried the buddy love thing. He saw what it did to him. He re- recognized that it got out of control, and he's I'm dumping this buddy love juice out. I don't need this anymore. I'm gonna be me." Uh, but he has to trick him <laughs> to even come back. So, like, you know, that's, just, again, reinforcing that this Sherman has learned his lesson. He mentioned it in his little speech. He was a little bit selfish. Yeah, yeah, he was. But, like, you can understand after that thrashing from Reggie Warrington. So, um, <laughs> you know, ultimately, like, the guy is a gentleman. And that's that's a good thing. And that's, I, it's a good lesson. I don't know, if, again... I don't know what the film's saying about size because, like, nobody's actually fat in the movie. Um, everyone's wearing, like, a fat suit and farting and stuff like that. So I don't know. Maybe we're helping people, but, <laughs> you know, at least the message is right. <laughs> <laughs> totally the message is right. The original, I can't say the same thing. Just can't say it. Um, I guess I, I'll do this ending. Sure. So. <laughs> so in the original, we get to college prom, and college prom, college prom, <laughs> and um, you know, you see this music act that was, you know, whatever comedy act I think was there, whatever. And then his buddy loves turn to sing that song. He sang two times already in the film, one last time because it's a kick in the head. Because <laughs> that's what the Rat Pack does. They got to sing their song at least three times. It's so people like magic. Hey, <laughs> I was too drunk to sing it tonight. <laughs> and uh, you know, he same same kind of bit. He's getting up there, and the voice starts to go. And um, ultimately, in the middle of his song, like he's not able to sing it, uh, no matter how much he tries. And then he just he reverts back to being Doctor Kelp. And, um, you know, he, he gives this you know, basically very similar speech to what we see in the remake, explaining how he became Buddy Love, the whole origins. And, you know, he's kind of, you know, as he has been, he's kind of this little pathetic guy. He's like, you know, and, uh, you know, I guess it's just best to be yourself. And cool. Got it. You know, <laughs> you, you try being Buddy Love. Uh, you try being yourself. And in this scene, you see something similar in the remake as well. But like as he like kind of walks off sort of defeated and like sorry guys the love interest comes up and she's like hey by the way like uh that buddy love guy it wasn't really for me you know he's a little too wild i being a professor's wife though that would be cool <laughs> and they uh they they make out and it's awkward because that's a student <laughs> in fact i mean they follow that up with a scene of her still being his student in the front row, you know, kind of like the starry eyes and everything like that. And it's, uh, it's like, that's all folks, but it's not, (laughs) (laughs) it's not all folks because for some reason, the dad comes barging through the the classroom as a, the professor. Now he's got braces, uh, you know, presumably maybe one day he'll get contact. So, you know, kelp though, he learned to be himself. His love interest is making sure that he, uh, fits the bill a little bit more he's more he's got buddy. a little gel in his hair yeah yeah so he's gonna be himself but he's gonna be a lot like buddy just as himself <laughs> and, and his dad comes in and he's like hey daddy oh uh, you know snapping <laughs> and <laughs> oh here yeah we say here's my square bookworm son being a square bookworm over here he's dressing down his wife in public and just like hey shut your yap and stand over here <laughs> 
And it, it's quite a turn. You're like, why is his dad acting like that? It turns out he's selling snake oil. <laughs> he's selling the uh, the old kelp cool tonic. And after kelp just gave this lesson, <laughs> hey, guys, it's better to just be yourself. I learned that lesson. Um, you should, too. What does everyone do? They go rushing up the front <laughs> to get their hands on kelp cool tonic so they can be a dick to their wife <laughs> as well. Kelp is like, should I stop them? Should I do something here? And uh, Stella's like, no, 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 let's just get out of here. You got the license to the cool tonic or something like that. We're going to just leave and we're going to be on our way. And, you know, winking and nod to the camera. She's got some cool tonic in her back pocket. Because, uh, you know. Because be yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, Kelp's okay. But, like, I mean, that buddy love guy. That's a, fucking, that's a cool character. You know, we we got we to gotta go see what would have happened at the top of Make Out Point, you know. <laughs> So, um, yeah, it's a movie about being yourself that ultimately is not about that at all. It's, <laughs> it's about being cool. And that's what America was really built on, Dan. <laughs> Fuck cool. all this being yourself stuff. I mean, like, why do we wear Levi's jeans and, you know, hair product? Because we got to be cool, man. Got to be cool. So. It's very important. Yeah. Um, very mixed <laughs> message <laughs> towards the end of the movie. Um, not only was the dad there with the formula, but the doctor, <laughs> the other dean, uh, he was there too, also taking the formula. Oh yeah, that's right. He comes in with a cigarette. Yeah. So he's, he's coming in with the swagger too. So it's like everybody was all about this formula. It's and a then, gas, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It's like, I guess at the end of the day, it's a comedy. It's, a, it's the only thing I could think of. It's like, yeah. kind of like how Ocean's Eleven kind of played with your expectations. Like, oh, here's these cool guys, but they're not going to get the money. Because they're actually idiots. So it's kind of like, well, instead of having a nice, you know, well, that's the lesson of today. It's, hey, it's, it's cool to be cool, man. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Let's just be cool. So that's the best I could think of, that they just didn't want to go for that kind of sappy, let's learn the lesson. Let's have him learn the lesson, which is probably what typically would have happened back then. Yeah. Um, but it's confusing as hell to watch today. <laughs> I'll tell you that. It's confusing. I think it's uh, very similar to the arm thing. It's just another gag that they can get out. Um, you know, again, we we talked about the Doctor Warfield earlier and kind of him going from this uh, kind of stodgy, uptight guy to you know his dreams of the big stage in Hamlet to now, like at the end, he's like, it's a real gasser. You know, again, like kind of I don't know. We've talked about beatniks before or something like that. I, you know, making fun of a a archetype of that era um you wouldn't expect the dean to be into like jazz and cigarettes weird but you know kind of funny but also if there was a point um it was lost right there um <laughs> when they added this extra little gag scene yeah just just not a strong ending no. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what else to say no. um even the gags were just like oh, a little flat um, yeah. so it really could have just ended as soon as like Purdy, like, I uh, was like, all right, I just want to be with you. I want to be a professor's wife. Uh, like, like she can't do anything in her own life to raise her status. She has to be a professor's wife. But I do want to go back a little bit because earlier the prom, the prom, the uh, college prom, uh, I think he was asking her about, like, buddy love. And, like, so what, what is it exactly you find attractive about him? Is, is it his looks? Well, not exactly his looks. Well, is it his, the way he talks? Well, not exactly the way he talks. He can talk like a jerk. So you were kind of getting this idea that, yeah, okay, so she really isn't exactly attracted to this this kind of suave guy. Sure. But, again, because we had that ending where she's walking away with a couple bottles, 
was there any meaning to that? Like, did she, was she just talking? Like, it seems like you do very much care, especially since he, like you said, he's wearing braces and has gel in his hair now. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. she's going to get him a spray tan soon. Or get him that fake mole that he has on. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's, a. Uh, it completely undermines the entire last, like 10 to 15 minutes of the movie. It's just like, all right, we've progressed. We, he's realizing that maybe she's not, that into buddy love and maybe there is a space for a uh, uh you know the kelp here and uh no nah, no nah, i guess i guess not you know unless it's like one of those things where like yeah that other ending is not canon that's just like a, a fun aside that we threw in for shits and gigs but like uh i really can't interpret it that way because uh <laughs> You know, it's a continuation of the same film, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can't say something that happens in the same film is not canon. It's a hard sell. <laughs> very true, very true. So um, Unless it happened after the credits, but no, it happened nah, right there. after. <laughs> right, right. Because it, it said, that's not all. This is more of this story. <laughs> very true, very true. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a weird choice. Um... A choice I don't really like, but also, again, there's some high highs in the film. Um, there's not many of them, and you know, again, 1963. I'm sure this is this is awesome. Um, Jerry <laughs> Lewis is still good. Delmore is, as always, he's good. Um, Stella is, you know, she's a one note character. It's a very simple, straightforward story, but in a time where um, this is one of the first big kind of movie reveals you know this is like a secret thing it's like uh going to watch clue in four different like endings depending <laughs> on what theater you went to it's kind of like that you know so nice little piece of movie history uh an enduring character because it's canonized or lionized in the simpsons i think we all can do a, a <laughs> nutty professor uh so you know that's fun but you know n- 1993 uh oh no there's they just did more with it i think they had more places to go, and I think they stuck to their message, even if, you know, could you say, is that really the message of the film? Maybe, maybe not, but at least they stuck with it. All right. I mean, it sounds like we're coming close to the end here. Is there anything else you want to discuss before we get to our verdicts? No, not particularly. Okay. I Actually, I just wanted to briefly talk about the music a little bit in the remake. Um, you had brought up Montel already, and then we have a lot of montages in That's the true. remake. So I just wanted to address that because we don't need all those montages, especially since they're pretty, like, cliche. It's like, like, I'm so excited, I feel good. It's not necessarily songs we haven't heard before, two montages. Sure. So, you know, other than Montel, I think the music is okay in right. the remake. Cause just because they're using songs that we've heard so many times before. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, if if you were asking me, like, grab bag of montages, like, yeah, this song's probably going to be used plenty. <laughs> you know, it, uh, it just gets the message across pretty quickly. Um, yeah, uh, the music is a minor, minor factor, I think, um, in the film. You know, it's, I guess it's good that it's there, but ultimately, like, really just the Montel cameo is, <laughs> it's the best because it, it puts sort of the time that time capsule feel on this movie was like, oh yeah, Montel would have, it would have been really cool to see Montel performing in 96, like at, at a concert, not even a concert, like at a like local lounge. Like that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> it, it elevates, uh, it elevates the Reggie Warrington character actually 
Mm-hmm. Because right. yeah, if he can perform alongside with Montel, he yeah. be, must have some clout as a comic, not just some schmuck off the streets or anything like that. Right. Uh, I do want to just talk about one other song. There's that sure. song, Stroking, when he's driving the car as Buddy Love. I'll be stroking. Oh, yeah. Clear so Carter. That song is just ridiculous. I just want to bring that up because my wife hates that song, and I love blasting that just to annoy her. So yeah. <laughs> I, that's the, the this is the first movie I ever heard that song in, uh, so that's why I play it, just, just to annoy my wife. I just wanted everybody to know that I can be a dick sometimes and blast that song. Yeah. Clarence, Clarence Carter's Stroking. I think uh, there's, I want to say that comedian robin harris uh used that song at some point in some bit that he did so like i'm familiar with the song um it's been like remixed and used in like different stuff but like it's a great song and like obviously contextually for a guy who for 35 years hasn't uh had relations you know as soon as he gets skinny he's like i know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna be broken <laughs> he's got so, the pns car he can see his yeah. dick <laughs> there's a lot of vulgar stuff for this pg-13 movie yeah yeah <laughs> fun though it's fun fun all right all right we're here we're here all right reggie should the remake of the nutty professor exist yeah taking sort of my 2020 cap off and recognizing like how big a deal this was in 96, and the fact that uh, that overall this film holds up, again, outside of some kind of crappy CGI, um, just Eddie Murphy's character work was worth seeing, uh, what they do with the prosthetics and stuff like that was worth seeing, and I think they took a, uh, a plot and actually like added a little bit more to it, because like, the original is much more straightforward than this film. Not that the Nutty Professor remake is extremely hard to follow it's actually very easy to follow um but no eddie murphy just he he just delivers one of those performances where it doesn't really matter what the subject matter is does it when you uh when you pull out that star power like that so um it's not something that i'm gonna watch frequently or maybe not even ever again but it it should exist because uh it's a great performance i 100 percent remember the cultural impact of it uh, it did matter at the time, still matters today, and, uh, you know, good one on Eddie. Uh, it should exist. It's not, like, my favorite, but it's a pretty good movie. Yeah. Uh, with regards to the remake, you know, it's, uh, I remember when it came out, I really liked it a lot, and, uh, you know, some of those jokes didn't age as well, but, um, I think, kind of like what you said, though, it did add some elements that the original didn't have i had talked about this already the conflict it, it just introduced like all that conflict like why we don't want buddy love to succeed right because he's right. gonna lose his job he's gonna just lose his identity and just he's not gonna get anything really so introducing that conflict definitely made the story just more compelling and it it made more sense in the direction that it went and yeah the original doesn't really have a direction because it just be buddy i mean do you really even do we even need kelp um nobody seems to be missing him so um yeah at the end of the day i do think that this remake should exist just because um they were able to add that conflict and i think the transformation you know skinny guy to fat or fat guy to skinny guy i think it's just a little bit easier to portray than like a dorky guy to a cool guy i don't know exactly how well that translates to today i mean obesity and weight is still a big issue today there's like all tons of like weight loss products like still mm-hmm. out there on the market so it's still like a problem going forward um like 
like I said, like clump by today's standards is not that fat because <laughs> right. obesity is just so bad. But it's it's I think it's just easier to follow just to see like a big guy and then a skinny guy. Okay, two different guys. Got it. As opposed to like he's kind of like being too dorky and is that really a cool guy? I don't know. And just like just Eddie's at the top of his game here. You know, just doing all those yeah. characters. He, he really nails it here. Um, you know, Jerry's great too. Like I said, I really thought just that going back and forth between Buddy Love and Kelp, like just having his voice fluctuate because he really does have to rely on his performance for you to buy that he is two different people at that point. As opposed to Eddie having the CGI doing a lot of the heavy lifting there. But yeah, I think everything just works a little bit better in the remake. I think the jokes will land a lot better and it's... uh, I don't know, it's just an enjoyable movie. And then you sprinkle a little bit of Dave Chappelle. I mean, how how could you go wrong, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's... uh... That could be one of the most influential, like, side characters in the film. Like, <laughs> his screen time is literally nothing, you know? It's, if, if there's two minutes of screen time with this guy, but, like, uh, trust me, I still hear people say women be shopping, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, the guy nailed it. Um, dude, yeah, just a fun movie. Um, again, time hasn't been as kind to it in some places, but, like... Uh, it holds up well enough. Actually, both films really do. Holds up well enough that, uh, yeah, I, I can recommend that. Yeah. All right. Well, that's what we thought about The Nutty Professor. Did we miss anything? Did you guys agree with us? Did you disagree with us? Definitely let us know. Right now, we got to figure out what we're doing for the next episode. So, I picked this one. Do you want to pick the next one? Yeah, I'll take a look at that. So, just so I know, we got... Halloween coming up basically this week. Yeah. So then this comes out what after Halloween? Yeah, we did the Departed. So the That's Departed right, so. comes out. Then this will come out. So then this should be our Christmas movie, I think. No, I think we got one more. Okay. And then we can do Christmas. Okay. Yeah, I think you're right. I knew this was gonna happen. I was like, <laughs> ah, no, that Christmas thing. I don't even have to think that hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see. Let me see. Do we want to go back towards like a? Uh, Western? I'm not really feeling that. Let's see. Oceans. I almost want to do Casino Royale. I almost want to. It's up to you. Uh, I got no objections to it. I just want to keep looking. So, yeah, we just watched a movie with a comedic take on, like, a smooth guy. Maybe we should try... Um, a classic, a classic cool character in a uh, 007, Ooh. and I'm I'm thinking uh, I'm thinking maybe Casino Royale. All right, <laughs> a little bit of Bond action that'll change things up for sure. All right, Absolutely. let's do some Casino Royale. So that's what we're doing for our next episode. All right, well thanks everybody for listening. Um, like I said, um, let us know what you guys thought. If you agree with us, if you disagree with us, definitely let us know. You can reach out to us on any of the social medias at Retro versus Remake, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Yep. Reggie Parker, you can check me out on uh, at RP Comedy on Twitter Instagram. As always, you know, thanks for listening. These, these have been a lot of fun putting together. Um, I, I don't know, I'm really starting to feel like we got to groove with some of these movies. There's been some really good ones lately. So yeah, let's keep, let's keep, keep that energy going. Keep it going strong. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been another episode of Retro, Retro versus, versus Remake. Remake.